tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Hey, teamers, it's about to get saucy. If you are reaching the prime of your life, and I'm talking about uh, 60 plus, or you're already there, well, we are going to be talking about some challenges you might face sexually or some victories that you might have sexually and how to fix those challenges. I think that's the most important part. We are talking with Dr. Evelyn Mashoka, who's a urologist and uh, is a practicing urologist in South Africa. So please do join in. Let to find out how do we fix things how do we make things more spicy and saucy 011-714-2006 is the number to dial to interact with me you can remain anonymous or you can whatsapp 0614-104107 and sms's go to 41391 good evening dr evelyn mashoka how are you doing this evening good evening patricia and good evening to the listeners i'm doing great thank you so much and I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Dr. Mushokwa, you know, when you are young, in your 20s and in your 30s and in your 40s, and I'll say that's young, um, sexually, you don't really worry much about what will happen after you reach 60. But there are certain changes that definitely do happen, I'm sure, because even physically, just generally, you will change. You'll start getting a bit more wrinkles, you know, you'll feel your body changing. So what are some of the things that men and then after men, women uh, should be looking out for as they reach their prime years or once they've entered their prime years? I, I mean, I would say I agree with what you're saying, that definitely, you know, age brings changes uh, to any of you know the genders that we can talk about and it can definitely have an impact you know on the sexual experience or enjoyment i think remember when we talk of health uh, uh, we talk of we look at three aspects we look at physical we look at mental and social aspects and so that the impact that we can see you know when we talk about sexual health we have to look at that and you know, statistically, uh, with men, it's clearly, you know, reported that we've got over 40% and above the age of 40 who will have some concerns about their sexuality, in, I mean, functioning by that. And then over 67%, you know, of men above the age of 69 will have concerns about sexual functioning as well. So it is definitely a concern. So what sort of concerns do men face, I mean, when they reach that age of 60? And let's look at just the normal changes that happen, you know, with age, the physiology, the functioning of the body, other than, you know, uh, just looking at, for instance, things like wrinkles, things like uh, testosterone levels. You know, when someone grows older, it actually drops. We actually call it ADAM, you know, it's the mnemonic we use, which means the androgen deficiency of the aging male. Another word we use, we say PADAM, which is partial androgen deficiency of the aging male. And this is a one thing that, you know, normally remember when we talk about uh, the testes, they've got two functions, which is to make sperms and also a hormone called testosterone. 
So the hormone called testosterone is a very essential hormone that actually helps a lot in the changes that we see, you know, in the development of sexual characteristics. So this hormone, when someone grows older, will go down, and that can be a, a concern. The other thing is the protein that binds to it. You know, with aging, you find that that protein increases. So you end up not having enough free testosterone to do the job, you know, working on things like muscle bulk, on the emotional, you know, that agility, on the erections. You know, remember we talked about grades of erections, where we talk of grade one being the soft type of erection and grade four being the strong erection. You find that now the person starts having more of grade one and not, you know, thinking much, for instance, about sex. And some people start having serious concerns about their penis size that, no, you know, it was not like this. It looks like it's getting smaller. And those become quite genuine concerns. And some men may also have penile conditions that make it painful when they have erections, you know. So those are some of the things that physically may happen when one grows older. So as we age and we mature like fine wine, hopefully, but we need to be looking out for a couple of things, especially for the men. You mentioned that sometimes the penis size might change. Does it yes. mean that as your, you start wrinkling, your penis also shrinks? You know, and it, it, remember what we were talking about in muscle bulk. You mm-hmm. find that what happens is when someone grows old, then... The size, for instance, starts getting bigger. There's more adipose tissue, you know. And then also on the pubic area, you find that there's more kind of like fat pad coming on. And then it almost like engulfs, you know, the penis. Then it starts, you know, looking smaller. And the erection itself, you find that it doesn't get that firm. Hence, the growth of the penis during erection is not that much remarkable. And some men, you know, like they may have had things like prostate surgery, you find that definitely they lose some a size of the penis by one to two centimeters because of nerve factors. So when somebody has got concerns about penile size, it's not that it's in their mind. Sometimes it's definitely the case that, yes, it's not really the same as before. Is there any way to avoid such? I think the the big thing which is important, remember we're talking about, um, uh, you know, the knowing of oneself, knowing what are the changes that happen physically and how can you have expectations as a couple, you know, with the age that comes on and also being able to, to, to go through education and understanding your, your body, you know, as you go on. Because some of the things that we have to look at is, you know, the comorbidities that come with aging, you know, things like diabetes. How can it have impact on your sexual life? Uh, high cholesterol levels, atherosclerosis, those are important. Prostate cancer, we are now in November. Which, I mean, with November, you know, it's all about talking and awareness of prostate cancer, for instance. How can you still have sex in a space where you are taking care of your prostate or you have had prostate cancer? And also the impact of one's partner. You may find that one partner has got other issues like a head stroke. How do you still have sexual enjoyment when your partner has got, you know, physical problems or challenges? And of course, there are also other things like relationship factors. We know that when someone starts growing older, that some people will be living together, but living separate lives. How do you live together and know one another? 
because you may find that they've been having a focus on children and then now it's an emptiness syndrome. You know, the children are gone and then the couple is left on their own. How do you now rekindle and get to know one another again? Those are some of the important things that one has to be aware of and be able to, you know, move with the change of the family dynamics. It seems that there's a lot that we need to understand as we mature in age. And I, I think the sooner we understand these things, we don't get shocked once we get to the age of 60 and above because we are prepared and we know what sort of yes. tests to be going for. We know what sort of, um, you know, routine tests, but also lifestyle changes that we need to make in order to avert such challenges. Uh, let me urge our A-teamers to just join in on the conversation. Are you above the age of 60? Have you started noticing differences? Some are are noticing them even at a younger age. Maybe you're in your 40s and you realize that uh, 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 things are not working the way they used to and you want to ask Dr. Mushakwa, what could it be? What can you do? You can call in on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp 0614-104-107. Oh, what an interesting issue and yet so sensitive. The more the white senior citizens who are the couples age is the more they get together or should i say is the more they cuddle but when it comes to the black ones you know if a granny is sitting here her partner is there as if he doesn't care about her could the reason be that there is no more Sexual desire is no longer there. You know, I know that from an African perspective, I have unintentionally insulted our senior citizens. Oh, I'm anonymous from Brandfish. Good evening, lovely people. Yo, anonymous. Okay, you had to take it there. You had to take it there. I must say, every time I see an elderly couple holding hands and walking down the mall or at a coffee shop together, you know, my heart melts and I'm like, this is the kind of love that I deserve. A love that will last until I'm grey, wrinkled and, you know, but um, is there any truth in what anonymous has said? You know, I think what he's talking about makes a lot of... I mean, we all are aware of couples that we know. We find that they are sleeping on separate beds, for instance, even if they may share the bedroom. And I think sometimes it has to also do with culture. And it ends up, you know, putting it in our brain that, no, elderly couples cannot be intimate or, you know, be sexually sexually enjoy. And sometimes even themselves, we find that they're like, no, we are grown up, we can't be doing this. I'm just giving you examples of some of the response where you may find that in the couple themselves, there is, you know, disagreement on expectations. And I think one of the things that is important is it's actually good to touch. It's actually good to be intimate. It's good for the health, for stress levels, and, you know, other changes that happen with age. Remember, we had talked about three things that will, you know, make a man to be aroused, which is thinking about sex, vision, what they see, and also touch. When someone starts getting older, touch is what works better. So when you have someone sitting there, another one sitting far, they are actually denying one another the thing that works the most, which is to touch one another.
Okay, now that Anonymous took it there, all right, I'm mm. going to ask this question. I know Atimus was on you're going to laugh at me, but I need to ask it. Like, I always ask myself, at what age do people stop having sex? Because I've seen couples, the man would be in his 70s and the woman would be in her 20s. And she'd fall pregnant for this man. And I asked myself, Auntie, even in my 70s, 80s, so we shy, you know? So we mm. So at what age do people just generally stop having sex? Or do we never stop? I think it's at the age where the person tells themselves that I'm stopping. Oh. More than someone dictating to them, yes. Patricia, okay. I've had patients, I mean, who are over 80, you know, who still need, you know, attention in terms of, treatment or advice on their sexual life and they're still enjoying, you know, beyond 80. So that's why who are we to decide and put, you know, a ceiling onto what age people should stop uh, enjoying, you know, sexual intimacy. So it is important for us to actually acknowledge and accept that sex is actually part of health. You know, it's, it's a basic need. And that is why we should not be putting age and stopping, you know, people from actually exploring one another. And I like saying that even if with a partner that you've been with for many years, your partner is like the world. You can never explore them enough. Mm-hmm. I like the sound of that. Now I'm looking forward to aging with the uh, Ezakwami, you know, and just being all together forever. Ngobanje, it goes on and on and on. It doesn't stop. It's part of health. <laughs> I think a lot of A-teamers are going to be happy about this. Dr. Mushoka, you put my mind at ease. I thought in Tlaombe, you know, when I reach 60, that's what you're going to tell me. But no, Patricia, when you reach 60, but clearly that's not the story. And actually, I mean, some of the findings are that when we're talking of, uh, you know, females, we find that once they go beyond the reproductive age, we find that some actually enjoy sex even more because that fear of pregnancy is gone. The children are out of the house. You know, now the couple has got time uh, for themselves. So it, it can actually be more of an enhancing thing in some couples. You know what we like saying that use the biggest organ in your body, you know, which is your skin. It actually makes a big, you know, difference when you do that. And of course, using the biggest thing that works, you know, in terms of enjoyment, which is your mind. Mm, mm. Let's go to the lines. Anonymous Atima, good evening. Good evening to you and your guest. I just want to ask a question to your guest. When a person becomes old, sometimes quite old, they now become like God-fearing people, and they don't like to go through that procedure. They, I know a member of my family says she feels very dirty uh, to have. She's got like quite a few children, but she feels very dirty to go through that procedure, the sexual, you know, intimate procedure. <laughs> Are we calling sex a procedure now? <laughs> it <laughs> yes, sounds so it's clinical. A it's a procedure? And, and, and also... Uh, when a person uh, is old, like 75, 76, and they've got uh, like a stroke or something, how do they manage sexual activities if the husband is also uh, 75, 80, between 75 and 80? All right, all right, anonymous. We'll okay, get... so like the lady had for, for like I have a lady had um, that for ten years. Mm. So, you know, she was had a stroke for ten years. 
All right, Anonymous, yeah. I'm, I'm going to allow Dr. Mushoka to uh, weigh in and uh, respond, but I just feel like the fact that you're calling sex a procedure, it makes it sound so <laughs> clinical, it makes it sound like uh, uh, like a chore, and obviously you're not going mm-hmm. to enjoy it if you're thinking of it like that. Well, that's for that uh, friend of yours who's uh, very religious. Let's allow Doc to answer. Doc? Patricia, I think I actually missed some of the words on the question, but what I heard was that some, when they get old, they become God-fearing. Yeah, when you are religious and they find it difficult to get into sex because it's a procedure. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I think I think uh, you know the issue of God-fearing. It's not only with age. Sometimes you can even have it early. You know, where someone may even have you know feelings of guilt. You know, not allowing oneself to enjoy as well. And I'm thinking, you know, with age and beyond, some people become even more religious, but we cannot use the the issue of religion as, you know, why they wouldn't want to, to be intimate. I think it is important to know what does one feel or believe about sex, because the issue is that remember the reason why there's sex. Uh, and it's not only for procreation, having babies. So one of the things that people sometimes look at is that, no, we are done having children, why should we do more? There are reasons why there's a need to have sex. And sometimes when we explain to people, uh, because, I mean, people that we see, some are pastors, for instance, you know, some are sangomas, some, you know, different kind of religion, but they come to consult or to get to know what can I do to enjoy sex more? The reasons why we do have sex as human beings is for recreation. Sex is an entertainment, and people need to look at that and, you know, enjoy the fun of it. Sex is for procreation, you know, having children. It's for it's a form of communication, and it's also kind of for bonding. Remember, immediately once one reaches orgasm or climax, there are things that get released in the body, which are like oxytocin, you know, prolactin, and other hormones that actually make you bond more with your partner. That's why that thing of hit and run, when, you know, does not really work. Because you find that you think about that person at some point. Because your body releases something that makes you bond. So I think once you start explaining to people those reasons, it makes it easy for someone to rekindle back. And Because we hardly get taught, you know, at home by our parents or whoever about sex. And that is why we have things like, you know, this program to talk and you know, teach one another and learn from one another about it. We are A-teamers having a closet conversation with Dr. Evelyn Mushoka talking about uh, sex in your 60s plus uh, the prime time of your life. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. <laughs> Good evening, Patricia. Uh, I would rather remain anonymous. I'm almost between 50 and uh, 40 and 50. My problem is I visited a urologist when I had a problem of uh, erectile dysfunction, and uh, another problem was inflammation, just uh, feeling pain after urination, before and after urination. Now, the problem that I I visited several types of doctors, including urologists. The last time I visited, he told me he told me that my problem is psychological. But deep down, I feel that it is still pain. 
They say 95% of the problem is urologically bondages. He checked my kidneys, he checked my prostate, and everything is okay. How can the doctor assist me in that regard? Thank you, Anonymous and George. All right, Dr. Mashaka, did you hear Anonymous and George? Yes, mm, I so how can you assist? Yes, I think, I mean, they, once you mention that you've got pain, uh, you know, during urination, it's not normal. And we always will look at two things when you complain of pain. We're going to look at anatomical reasons, which means that, like you talked of, you know, being checked for your prostate, you know, what is happening in your bladder or in the penis. Physically, is there something wrong that we can look at and see? Maybe inflammation of the prostate, for instance. And if those are treated, we now will look at functional. By functional, I'm talking about things like nerves, you know, that supply your prostate. Because sometimes you may be, or, or, or the bladder, because sometimes you may have what we call referred pain. So I think that is one of the things that we'll always have to rule out. And I understand you when you consent. By the time we say we're thinking psychological, it has to be after we have excluded those. Sometimes we'll check, for instance, uh, your bed, check the nerves, doing an MRI. For some people may have pain because there is a nerve which is impinged, or you know, which is actually supplying your organs of urination. So I think that is one of the stones that has to be untamed. But go to your practitioner and discuss these options. And the issue of erection, the same thing. Remember the nerves that supply uh, for erection and uh, your bowel, which means you may have things like constipation as well and urine, are the same nerves coming from the sacrum uh, from your back. So it's important to evaluate that as well. All right. I hope you get uh, an, a practitioner anonymous who can assist you with uh, the challenge that you're facing. This one is uh, from No Name. That's what they call themselves. It says, I'm a 30-year-old male and I'm losing sexual desire, probably from high stress levels or anxiety. I don't want to take these libido boosters and etc. Um, is there any food I can eat to boost my sex drive naturally? Oh, that's interesting. You know, one of the things uh, that Anonymous is touching on is we like, you know, being treated in a way that is kind of like natural. And that's why it's talking about food. But I like saying that uh, when we talk of things like testosterone, testosterone is a natural product that your body, you know, kind of secretes. And whenever we're looking at things like libido or desire, you know, for sex, Testosterone plays a very big impact in such a way that even if you go and take things like Viagra or Cialis, you know, the other medication that would help, if testosterone level is low, that medication may not even work. So I think what is important is because you know you have been eating what you are eating and your desire has been fine, we need to see what has happened, you know, what has, what's going on in your body. So I would definitely recommend testing for your testosterone level and knowing what is happening because it is a hormone that is important even for the food that you eat to kind of metabolize so it can be put to the physiological, not abnormal levels. So that's what I would recommend, especially if you would want to, uh, you know, to have the desire. And other things that we will check is things like cholesterol levels. And then when cholesterol level is high, definitely I would recommend you see a dietitian. Uh, to help. Uh, sometimes you need medication as well. 
but those are the recommendations I would give. All right. So it, it don't only take it on the natural side, but test every other possibility for this A-teamer. Yes. It's amazing how this A-teamer is in their 30s and they are experiencing a lack of sexual desire. So it can happen at any age, not only for people who are in their 60s and above. No, it can happen at any age. I mean, there are people who are young, for instance, in their 20s, who may actually, you know, experience sexual difficulty. Some will have early ejaculation and they know that it's been there. And some will be like, no, I'm relying on, you know, the second round to actually have my partner satisfied. And what just happens is that when someone gets older, you find that the time in between the rounds starts getting longer, you know, so there's no second round. We call it a refractory period because immediately with climax, you know, there's release of the hormones like prolactin, and then the body takes time as one ages to metabolize it. Then the person just wants to sleep, you know. So the issue is be aware of what is happening in your body and don't fight it. Eh? You know, in, in such we say, meaning that you don't let it climb the mountain when it's limping. So it's mm. about knowing your body. Know your body, know your body. For women now, you haven't spoken about women. What are the s- sort of changes uh, that they should be expecting and how can they mitigate uh, a negative or an adverse effect on their sexual life? I think with women, the big thing that happens, you know, is when we're talking about hormonal changes. Uh, we're talking of, uh, you know, a menopause. Because some people, actually, it comes with, you know, things like hot flashes. It comes with dryness, uh, which include, you know, vaginal atrophy. Vaginal atrophy is, you know, when the vagina is very dry and then it becomes, it's almost like shrinking. And some people will also have urinary problems, you know, with that due to estrogen uh, deficiency. So I think what is very important is to also know yourself. What is going on with my body? What are the changes? Do I need, you know, things like a lubricant, for instance? Do I need uh, my partner to touch me and relatively longer? So being aware of what is it? Is it an issue of arousal? Is it an issue that the person has got pain, you know, during intercourse? Or an issue that the person does not reach climax? Because that is also, you know, possible. So once you know what is happening in your body, it makes it easy as well to be able to communicate. Because uh, one of the things that happens when partners grow older is that sometimes they feel ashamed or shy. This is one of the things which I have encountered with my patients where they say, no, we don't really communicate. She doesn't really complain, but I can see, you know. So it's better to talk about it. And what I usually recommend is don't talk about sex in the bedroom. No. It's not good to talk about it in the bedroom because it makes it very difficult and awkward. Talk about it having a walk. You know, talk about it over the dinner table and address things starting with the word I. You know, like, you know, honey, you know, I would want us to have more or prolonged foreplay. I'm just giving an example where you can address and actually ask in a nice way what are the things you fantasize about or you want to make your sexual life much more better. Mm, let's go to the lines. We've got a team on there. Good evening, on there. Good evening, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm strong. How are you? Lovely. Hey, Patricia, I thought this was a closed conversation. 
So you're supposed to have been tucked to bed already. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 are you suggesting that I'm under 18? By no means, Ngonde. Sing him, Dala. I know, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, Patricia, let me start by saying this quote. It will be relevant to Anonymous and Devin. Faith without reason leads to fanaticism. And reason without faith leads to paganism. I want Anonymous to chew on that. I want to explain it now. Uh, Patricia, what a dog is saying, well, it's been, she's speaking to a converted, right? I tried those things. See, Alice, she would know about her pill. And just from level, right? Mm-hmm. I went to some clinic, which, which the talk will know. I don't know. I don't know to give them free advertisement. I went to the clinic quite some time back, right? And yeah, you know, I get. I had those shots. You know, um, they did work wonders. However, I was warned, right, by some woman, whatever, that. Be careful of the side effects, right, of what you're injecting in your penis, whatever, because this might lead to blah, 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 blah. You know, she was concerned that this can lead to a heart attack, right? Mm. Because when you are engaged in that activity, not procedure, activity, right, (laughs) fun activity, (laughs) right, you know, your blood levels go up, right? However, I must say, um, just like some doctors that you once had there, I want to mention the name. If you treat this thing, not what the doctor learned at medical school, but traditionally, right? There's a hair that I don't know what the name is called, but I don't know what about the name, but it works wonders, you know? So I'm over 60 and I'm enjoying my first life. But yes. Patricia, good evening. <laughs> good evening, Ngonde. I'm glad that you are enjoying. Dr. Mushoka, Ngonde brings up something very uh, critical. And those are the, you know, booster shots, the pills, mm. uh, injections, and the likes. I mean, how safe are these? And I, 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 they're over-the-counter ones as well. You For men and for women, how safe are they? Especially for people who are in their prime um, because they're already battling with other ailments within their bodies at that age usually. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, especially when we're talk, talking about traditional, you know, I had one of my patients who said to me, I'm going to bring them back, you know. It's one of the traditional herbs coming from, you know, vendor that you know, it, it works well. So the issue is that what I usually recommend is remember what we we offer in in the medicine that we practice is that we look at what is the problem that every person does not necessarily need the same solution. And what I like saying is that if you go and get something over the counter, everything now has to have nutritional you know information on it. Go through it, read what is there because some. I think like, you know, multivitamins. I remember even when I, I started practicing as a doctor, you know, people would go to their general practitioners when I'm doing locum. They would come and ask for vitamin B, you know, the, the injection, which is very painful. And they would be like, no, once I get that, you know, I, I, I'm strong and I'm fine. And then you look there, you find that they're getting actually multivitamins as an injection. So the issue is look at what is getting in your body. And if it's working for you, 
who am I to say you shouldn't go for it? What I think is important is for us as practitioners is whatever we offer you should be something which I can actually look at and support and on whatever international basis be able to say it's evidence-based. So that is why we talk about things which we say, okay, what is normal in your body? What are the ranges? And that's what I always recommend even to the young guys that you know what, know your testosterone level when you are young. So that if there are changes later in life, you can be able to say, no, my testosterone used to be 18, but now it's 12. No, it has dropped a lot. So things like that. So I wouldn't say that it doesn't work. Remember some of the things work also as placebo effect, uh, whereby you find that just the person knowing that I took this, it makes them feel strong. It makes them go and touch their partner and allow to be touched. And then the whole, you know, like when when one of the uh, callers came and said it's a procedure, you know, the whole process of uh, intercourse will take over. But remember what is important is the significance of you and your partner connecting and enjoying one another. That's the whole thing more than, you know, debating on the rest of things. So if it's working one does even even coffee, you know, that people do take which does uh, I mean give them positive outcome and visa, you know. Some even go on and take enemas. There are many things. Some they take things which make them, you know, vomit. So culturally you find that in, in Susot go palace, you know, mm. that you go take something and so there are things that in our culture have been there to try and enhance you know, sexual, because it's an important thing. So what we are looking at is what are the things that you can do that are good for your body? Uh, you were talking about heart attack, you know, there's one of the callers who talked of heart attack, that someone can have heart attack. Having sex is to sexercise. So it's important that physically you can breathe, you know, you can walk because you are physically fit. That is important. And most of the people who will take, let's say you talked of sialis, or Viagra, that they take it, the next thing they have a heart attack. Most of the time it's when they're with a partner who is not their regular partner, because there they are feeling that they need to perform. And that is why we don't want to talk of sexual performance. It's not a stage. We talk of sexual enjoyment, you know, experience, because it's something that you should do being relaxed and be comfortable. Let's go to this voice note. Good, good evening, SAFM. I'm 34 years old. Uh, I'm experiencing some pain on the left testicle. I went to hospital. They transferred me to Steve Biko. To Steve Biko, they did some. They did scan the testicles, and the results were there is some water on the testicle, on the left testicle. So. They said they cannot test, they cannot do the operation for so that they can remove the water on the testicle. I'm worried maybe the, the, that pain will develop into cancer or something else. And also if you can tell me how does that water accumulate on the testicle. Sure. Ah, you know, our ATMA is facing quite a challenge. <laughs> can you please respond, Doc? Yes, yes. Uh, I think the, the, the big concern that Anonymous is talking about is pain, you know. Uh, when there's pain, we usually need to know why is there pain. But talking about water in the testicle, the, both testes, by the way, have got water around them. 
So that is why, you know, when it's cold, uh, you find that the scrotum can shrink. It allows that movement, that the scrotum will shrink. And then when it's warm, the scrotum will go down. There's that movement because it glides. There's a bit of water there. But in some people, the water becomes more. We call it a hydrosphere. So when the water becomes more, we need to be sure, is it secondary to inflammation? So once you're talking of pain in the testicle, now I'm, on, I'm wondering, is there some inflammation? Is there some orchitis? But if you had a scan, most likely that we had a sauna, which when you do a sauna, usually it, it will tell over 99% that there's cancer. So once we had that, you should relax about issue of cancer. The issue is pain and having treatment for the pain. And the water outside most likely is that there's a hydrocele. And if it's mild, meaning that it's not much or it's minimal, usually an operation can be deferred. So I don't think anonymous should be worried. If they had a scan, usually it will exclude a, you know, cancer. And the concern is very genuine because we are 34. And usually testicular cancer from the age of 15 to about 35, we've got a high you know, incidence of testicular cancers. But with the sauna, you can actually be rest assured, but you need to have the pain treated and found a why. Maybe orchitis. All right. Hey, uh, uh, you know, when uh, now, now those are procedures that, that uh, this AT mode need to go through, <laughs> uh, you know, to find out what's going on. That's a procedure. A procedure is something that's not so nice. But anonymous, when sex mm-hmm. is being called a procedure, hi, man, I'm worried. I'm, I pray that I never reach a stage where it's just a chore and it's a procedure. In depth, talk medical terms. When I say I'm going in for a procedure, it's not something that is pleasant. So, <laughs> woo, woo. No. Okay. Doc, let's uh, listen to this particular A-teamer who's anonymous, who says they are 62 years old and they've had prostate laser surgery to reduce it in size. Now, um, he's in very... He's a very sexually weak. He has no desire. He's got weak erection. And he... Yeah... He was not advised on these before the surgery. Mm. Why was he not advised and how can he fix the current uh, challenges he's facing? You know, Patricia, with prostate surgery, you know, usually, I mean, like with the laser, for instance, you'll have the procedure done with the prostate being taken out. And then the patient will wake up with catheter, you know, a catheter inserted in the penis uh, with drips, with blood draining, you know. So that's a procedure now, you know. So the issue is that post-op, the recovery for some people, it's actually being in that space, you know, seeing blood coming out of the penis. It's a very uncomfortable, uh, you know, space to be in. And one thing which happens is that you feel, some people do feel sick, and sometimes the partner may also be scared to initiate. So that is why usually after prostate surgery, you know, uh, we usually recommend what we call it re- rehabilitation of the penis, you know, where actually we'll give, for instance, cyalis, go home and have sex. It's like sending people to go and have sex because they will actually hold, you know, and feel that they're very sick. So that is what I would recommend to, 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 the, to Anonymous. I mean, at the age of 50, you are young, you know, go back, see your urologist, explain to them what you're going through. And then you can start going through your rehabilitation. And even with your partner, rekindling, touching one another, and then that can help a lot. 
especially if you were not having any uh, erectile dysfunction before the procedure, and you are talking of the desire that is low. So it could have kind of, you know, like traumatized you to see what you, you were going through. You might have thought laser is not a very big thing, and then you get surprised post-op with your recovery. Because the prostate is taken out. It's, an, it's a major procedure. It's just that you don't have a cut on the skin, but it is a big procedure. Another message here. This one says, I'm 34. Um, if I took about three months without sex, I feel pain under my navel. And uh, a week later, when I go uh, to the toilet, I get surprised to see sperms coming out by themselves. They are more mm. brown than usual when they come out during sex. And my penis mm. can take up to more than two hours um, erect. This is where I end up like this. Is this normal? And is there any danger for having a long time um, erected penis? I never use any boosters before. Anonymous is 34 years old and with the pain under the navel and prolonged erection and the sense, I think Anonymous has to either see a urologist or a neurologist. Please do that to check what is happening. It is not normal to have erection for more than two hours. We call that priapism. You should because once we have a erection for too long, it becomes painful, and the blood flow in your penis becomes reduced. So it's not normal. So that is why I'm recommending that you do that. And when you talk of stems that come out being brownish, you know, it's like what you call hematostemia. Some people will have kind of bloody stems. It's not normal as well. I know some men get very alarmed when they see that, but it's usually not, you know, dangerous. But still, be checked because. But I can tell you, 80% of the time, it's something that is benign and not bothersome. Once you have pain below the nasal, that's what I'm recommending. Please see a urologist or a new neurologist. Thank you. All right, another one here saying. Um um, good evening, Patricia and your guest. I love your program tonight. I'm also aging. <laughs> I don't know why you'd say you're aging, but if it's aging like fine wine, enjoy the aging. Another one says, hi, Pat and your guest. Um, it's my topic. <laughs> Jay is my name. Sex is honored irrespective of anything actually i'm 61 years and i'm just listening to you guys and i'm getting educated so clearly we are doing the right thing right um, another sms says good evening patricia and doc a great topic after a salvation sex or marriage is the greatest and most precious gift that our father god gave abraham solomon samson king david and you and me today keep it up until death parts. Apostle Paul Winder uh, Simis says so. Yeah, so agreeing there, Apostle uh, is agreeing that sex is a good thing, but obviously mm. um, for those who are married in this case. Yeah, Doc? Yes, no, I, I mean, I'm listening to the positive comments that we're getting and I think, you know, it's encouraging and, you know, one of the things which, just for those who, who like reading, uh, there's a nice book by, <clears throat> I mean, which says uh, tantric sex, 
you know, an idiot's guide for tantric sex. Very interesting to when he's talking about that sex is a gift, you know, that it's beyond physical. It's also about the soul. It's about the emotions. So those who like reading, you can actually check that. It's a nice book to, to go through. Let's listen to this voice note before we close off. Hi, Patricia. Um, I got sexually aroused uh, yesterday uh, evening. And, uh, yeah, I had a case of uh, painful uh, balls. And, uh, you know, I, I googled it and it's uh, called blue, bull, uh, blue balls. Uh, yeah, it tends to happen after one has been aroused and uh, can't release that uh, arousal. Now, um, my concern is that, uh, you know, what I learned on Google is that uh, the pain is supposed to subside uh, within a short uh, time period. However, I still feel a bit of pain. It has subsided, but I still feel a bit of pain uh, even uh, yeah, a day afterwards. So I'm just a bit concerned about that. Can the doctor assist, please? Thanks, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. Doc? Yeah, I think uh, Anonymous was talking of the arousal. I don't know if what happened after the arousal was there any ejaculation no or not? no there wasn't yeah. hence he yeah. had uh, blue balls yeah which which can happen you know that some some people talk of you know the proton being engorged but the issue is when there is relief with uh, ejaculation it usually does help a lot and remember with especially with arousal or erection for instance erection we have for different ways in which we we classify one of the erection is the one in the morning, you know, the nocturnal, we call it nocturnal erection, which is not because somebody's aroused, but should be there basically almost, you know, every morning. So the issue is when one gets that erection, there won't be any ejaculation. Usually, I mean, one will go to the toilet, pee, then back. There shouldn't be pain. Once you are having painful balls and it's unusual, I always recommend that check what's going on because some people will have things like inflammation in the prostate that can affect, uh, you know, the testes because there's a clear communication between the prostate and the testes. And that's why some people with inflammation of the prostate can have early ejaculation. So once it's something that you are not accustomed to, just get evaluated to be sure uh, what is going on. Because people have erection in the morning without ejaculation but no pain. Mm. Doc, I think uh, there's so much that we have learned from uh, this evening's session, and we are really so grateful. I've got hope that Istanwasami uh, and I will be together forever and ever when that happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll grow all together. And couples like Upra Benzito and his beautiful wife, uh, they, have not, they are so far from the age of 60, but I trust that there'll be a beacon of light for me and the rest of the A-teamers. Hey! So, Natige, we've got some hope. For our A-teamers who might be struggling and they've got questions or want to consult, both males and females, how do they reach you, Doc? For me, I actually have a website which is www.drmushoko.com So that is where my you know, details are there. It just makes it easy for, for one to look. To look. Mm. Thank you. Excellent. Dr. Mushoka, thank you so very much for giving us hope. Our sex lives are going to live until the day we die. Siagbonga. <laughs> Have a thank good evening. Thank you.
ATMs. Uh, it's a minute before it's midnight and we are heading home. It's actually midnight now. Yay. Um, we are heading home, but uh, we'll be back again for the Thursday edition at 10 p.m. until uh, midnight at uh, 3 a.m. Please uh, do wake up in time to catch the first show in the morning, which is Sound Awake with uh, Sander Beta. From us, may goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.